Well, it's, um, it's a heavy morning. Lots of tears already shed. I imagine there'll be more as the day goes on. Um, you know, Scripture tells us to, uh, to weep with those who weep. And usually people aren't weeping because they're happy. I mean, we have happy tears at times, but that's not the sentiment of that passage. Uh, people are weeping because they're crushed. And in God's eyes, it's a beautiful thing when a body is so connected to one another that when one member is crushed, in a way, the rest of the members are as well. Because we love each other. We've been knit together. Uh, I recognize that in the congregation, there are some of you who grew up with Lisa and she was a very close friend. Spent a lot of time with her. Um, her loss has a direct impact on your life in the sense of you've lost a companion, a friend. Um, and then there are some of you who, uh, by the time you got to the congregation, Lisa wasn't as, as, uh, wasn't a familiar face. You've probably had a few interactions with her, but not as much as others. And so as tears flow, they may flow for different reasons. We love Sister Diane. We love the McAvees. We love the whole family. Um, and so emotionally, we may be in different places. But I just say this. Um, this is not every service, and it's not something we're trying to work ourselves up into. But if you're, an, if you're emotional this morning, that's fine. It's right. It's good. It's an act of, you know, an act of obedience is an act of worship. Now, I'm not saying to try to work yourself up into crying so you can join the crowd, but I am saying if you're weeping with those who weep, again, that's a beautiful thing in God's eyes. So keep weeping. Okay? Keep weeping and weep your way through this service. Okay? It'll be all right. So I want to, to look as we, uh, spend some time in the Word this morning, I want to look in Psalm 119, verse 54. Psalm 119, verse 54. I, th I think we're probably going to spend the entire month in Psalm 119. That's on Sundays and Wednesdays. Um, and if you were not here Wednesday, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that message uh, it will it will kind of help give you an idea of the approach as we move forward um, in in this psalm. So um, just encourage you to go back and, and cover that material because I'm I'm not going to recover it. So Psalm one nineteen verse fifty four. The psalmist says this: Thy statutes have been my songs. In the house of my pilgrimage. Thy statutes have been my songs 
and the house of my pilgrimage. Well, without covering all the bases, one of the ways that we're going to be approaching Psalm 119 this month is by looking at key phrases, particular phrases, and as we already mentioned this morning, using those, thinking about those as, as doors, doors that we can walk into. Okay, And essentially that's just a metaphor for saying we're going to be trying to meditate, muse, tease out the realities of simple statements like the one we just read. And we want to try to boil these kinds of things down, not just to what does it say, but how do I live off of something like this? How does this, how does this open up my own life, my own experience, and then how does it speak into that? We said about the Psalms all along is that the Psalms are meant to draw us into participation. Um, and so, Psalm 119, verse 54, speaking of the Word, your statutes, they've been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Now, a pilgrimage, you know, is just a journey, right? I mean, a, a, a pilgrim, he, he calls himself in other places in this psalm a stranger, a sojourner. It's just someone who's not settled, they're on a journey, and the journey has different seasons, different experiences, different challenges. And so this morning, I want us to, to tease out this verse, meditate, walk through this door. And I want to call the message the Pilgrim's Song. It's a word for every season. A word for every season. The Pilgrim's Song. Look in Genesis 47. Genesis 47. In Genesis chapter 47, um, verse 9, as Jacob is brought before Pharaoh, this is what Jacob says about himself. Genesis 47, verse 9, Jacob said unto Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been. And have not attained unto the days and the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. Now, this is what Jacob says, and I think this is a this is a summation that we could all identify with at any given time, particularly those in your adult years. Uh, Jacob says, "I'm 130 years old." Now, you can't identify with that one, but here's here's what you can. My pilgrimage, my life, this journey, my pilgrimage has gone by quicker than I expected. And it has been full of difficulties I could have never imagined. 
That's what Jacob says. Few and full of evil, difficulties, calamities, really is the word there. Hardships. Jacob says, if I could sum up my life in a sentence, as he's speaking to Pharaoh, this is, this is the summary of it. It's gone by quick, and it's been hard. It's been difficult. I've had things that I've endured that I never dreamed I would endure. And if you look back over his life, you can, you can see that. Well, brothers and sisters, as we think about our lives, uh, we're, we're here as well, just as far as we're, we're pilgrims. We're pilgrims, and what the psalmist says is a, is a strange land from the standpoint of this is not our home. This is not the end destination. We're on a journey headed somewhere. We haven't been planted here permanently. And so while we're just making the observation, as far as what Jacob has to say, um, this observation could be laid on top of the details of my life and your life as well. Okay. Different details, different scenarios. And so when we think about Psalm 119, verse 54, your, your judgments, your statutes, your word has been my song the days of my pilgrimage. And we think about a word for every season. Um, we could think about this in a couple of different ways. Number one, we can think about it, and sometimes this is the only way we think about it. That the word gives us answers for every season. We have problems. Scripture has answers, um, and that's where we go. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not all the Word does. The Word gives us more than just answers. You know, sometimes in your pilgrimage, in your life, you need more than answers. When I say you need more than answers, I just mean there are no answers to resolve the difficulty of the season that you're in. And we don't, we don't live a flatlined life. And so the word also does something else for us. Particularly what we're going to be looking at uh, this morning and really Psalm 119 as a whole. It doesn't just give us answers. It teaches us how to commune with the living God. It teaches us how to commune with the living God. And so I want to look at three different ways, three different aspects of how the, the pilgrim song helps us to do that. This word for every season. Now, we're thinking this morning about seasons of heartache, seasons of trial, seasons of sorrow, <clears throat> 
But you could make your way through Psalm 119 and, and see various other seasons as well. So what are we learning as it relates to how to commune with God? How do we commune with God when we've been praying that the Lord would heal someone for almost a calendar year and they seem to be making improvement and take a drastic turn for the worse and they die? How do you commune with God on that? What, what do we do with something like that? If your sister Diane at home, how do you do that? Do you, do you, just, do you find the right verse and quote it? I, I don't think so. Well, this helps us. Number one, as we look at Psalm 119, the pilgrim's song, this has been my song through my pilgrimage. Number one, the pilgrim song helps to identify our heartaches. And then it helps us to put our struggles into words. It helps to identify our heartaches. And then it helps to put our struggles into words. You know, this is just an observation. And it's, uh, to put it that way is going to be funny when I make the application here, I guess. But, you know, one of the uh, least used approaches to Scripture... Um, is just observing the text. You can learn a lot by just observing what's going on in the text. A lot of times people approach Scripture and the only thing they're thinking about is a word study or distilling something down into a doctrine or making a theological category out of something. And those are all legitimate ways to come at Scripture. But whenever it comes to application, one of the most fruitful things you could do, particularly in the Psalms, is just slow down and take the time to observe what is going on. How is this person speaking? What is he doing? It's not what is he teaching me, it's how is he going about what he's going about as he approaches whatever he's doing. So as we try to think about how do we commune with God? What do we even pray? What do we even say? Well, here's what the psalmist says. Psalm 119, verse 25. He says, my, my soul cleaves to the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. My soul cleaves to the dust. What do you say to the Lord after your heart is just crumbled? Well, the psalmist says this. My soul is glued. The word there, cleave, is just glued. It's stuck. To the dust. What does that mean? It means, Lord, I am in a state of constant sorrow, sadness, and despair that I just cannot shake. It's as if my soul is glued to the dust. See, there's no real theological categories there. He does make a request, but the first thing he does is he just speaks to the Lord about where he is. 
Sometimes we don't know how to pray because we don't know what to ask. You know, you don't always have to be asking things. You know, you can just come to the Lord and just try to lay out where you are. Psalm 119, verse 28, he says, My soul melts for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to your word. It's just a way of saying, I am weary from the grief I've endured. See, this is just communing with God. Did you know that God is, you know this already, we talk about it. You know God is, is, takes an interest in you. He's attentive, mindful, He cares. When you go to Him like a child and speak to Him about the state of your heart, he listens. You know, I think one of the things that really hinders our communion with the Lord is this idea that we always have to be asking Him something if we're praying. Now, asking is definitely a category. Needy people ask the Lord for things. But there are times where you don't know what to ask. You just know you need the comfort of His presence. And the only thing you can do is lay out before Him just where you are. <clears throat> By the way, we all recognize, hopefully, uh, you, you understand this. The Lord's not a short order cook. He's not waiting on your request before He gives you what you need. So asking really is is not our way of informing God on what He could be doing for us. God knows what to do even when we just simply tell Him, my soul is melting. Psalm 119, verse 81. He says, my soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. My eyes fail for thy word, saying, when will you comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. He uses three metaphors here. By the way, it's the psalm is helpful here, not just because we can observe the fact that the psalmist comes and, and he's just simply laying out where his heart is before the Lord, but the psalm is also helpful because it can, it can help give us words for struggles that we don't really know how to articulate before the Lord. He's, here he talks about a, a fainting soul. He talks about failing eyes, a, a, a bottle Smoke. What does it mean, my soul faints? My soul faints. Well, Psalm 73, verse 26 uses the 
the word in a different way. Psalm 73, verse 26, he says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and, the, and my portion forever. The, the word fail there. My flesh and my heart fail. My soul faints. It just means I've become weak and powerless. I don't have any strength. I'm, I'm having a difficult time trying to figure out how I'm going to move forward. Maybe it's not how I'm going to move forward in life. Maybe it's I'm having a difficult time knowing how to move forward in some sort of normality. It says, my soul is faint. My eyes fail. It's just describing this. Um, um, I have this longing, this desire, and I have not received it yet. I'm looking for it. I'm waiting for it. I'm longing for it. The, the, the second part of that is that he's, um, verse 83, when will you comfort me? Right? So it's looking, longing for comfort that he has not yet received. Well, when's the last time we prayed like that? Lord, I know you're going to comfort me. You haven't done it yet, but I'm waiting for it. Is it okay to tell the Lord that you have not yet received the comfort that you're waiting for? That's not one we stand up and pray publicly, is it? It almost sounds entitled. But did you know that if you're washed with the blood of the Lamb, you are entitled to God's comfort? You're not entitled to determine the timeline, but you are certainly entitled to the comfort that He gives to His covenant blood-bought people. The psalmist says, I'm looking for that. I'm waiting for that. I've not yet received it. But I know I will. And so I'm longing. See, we're talking about communing with God here. He doesn't say, Lord, comfort me. That's not what he says. He says, I'm longing for the comfort. I'm looking for it. And then he says, this is a strange, for us, strange imagery. Uh, in verse 83, I am become like a bottle in the smoke. Yet do I not forget thy statutes. I become like a bottle in the smoke. Now, Albert Barnes and probably other commentators would help here too, but he's helpful in explaining the imagery. He says bottles in the, uh, in the east were commonly made of skins. You know, wine skins, things like that. Such bottles hanging in the tents where the smoke had little opportunity to escape would of course become dark and dingy and would thus be emblems of distress, discomfort, and sorrow. The meaning here is that by affliction and sorrow, the psalmist has been reduced to a state which would be well represented by such a bottle. Okay, it's this bottle that has these marks of distress, of aging, of discomfort. Essentially, this, this phrase... A bottle in the smoke. We might say it this way: uh, I'm just I'm worn out. I'm battle worn. I, I, I'm tired. I, my, I'm, 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 my 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 emotional state, my my physical 
energies, they, they, they bear the marks of the difficult endurance of the sorrow, the pain, the distress that I've gone through. You know, um, when we go through difficult trials, there are some that we go through and we are never the same afterwards. Do you know that? We're never the same afterwards. Now this may not be what you're expecting to be said next. And that's good. It's good. You know God's plan, God's goal, God's purpose for my life and for your life is that we would be changed. Now, I didn't say it feels good. It obviously doesn't feel good. If you're, if you're comparing yourself to a, a, a bottle that bears the marks of, um, of wear and tear, But as we go through a pilgrimage that is full of difficulties that we could not have imagined, we do not make it to the other side without scars, marks, traces of what was there. In some ways, that could seem depressing. In some ways, that could seem uh, discouraging. But the reality is God is redeeming every single one of those difficulties. And He's using those in a sanctifying purpose in my life and in your life. Aren't you thankful for compassionate people? I am. I'm thankful that we live in a world where people have the capacity to be compassionate. It's a, it's a Christ-like attribute to be touched with the feelings of someone else's infirmities. And the reality is, you won't really ever enter into true compassion towards someone until you know what it's like to be crushed. I mean, it's what Aaron said this morning. You're thinking about the fact that they are going through what you went through. And it just draws emotion and, 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 and care and compassion, co-passion. I am... I am hurting at your hurt. I am moved by your hurt. So we don't get through this pilgrimage without any scars, but God uses, God uses each of those to, to mold us, to shape us. Now, I don't want to miss the point, the overall point. Again, the, the pilgrim song, this is just synonymous for the Word of God. 
it, it identifies our heartaches, and then it helps us to put those things into words. So it, it may be that you know, based on the heaviness of your heart, you know you need to commune with the Lord and you have absolutely no idea how to do that right now. Well, why don't you just take a little bit of time and tell the Lord what's on your heart. Maybe you resonate with one of the phrases that's used here. Maybe you don't. I mean, we, we haven't exhausted them. Psalm 119, 143 says, Trouble and anguish has taken hold of me. That is, trouble and anguish has pursued me. They've found me. They've, they've apprehended me. Well, when we don't know how to pray, um, the pilgrim song, the word, right, it gives us the words to describe the complexity of our anguish. Number two, the pilgrim song. This has been my song in the home of my pilgrimage. The pilgrim's song helps to give us the courage to voice our struggles and ask for help. It helps to give us the courage to voice our struggles and ask for help. Now, you'll notice, particularly this first phrase, you'll notice it comes up and it's worded in different ways throughout this psalm if if you're spending time here. Look in verse 49. Verse 49, he says, Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Who's he talking to? Is he reminding his companion, his friend? No, he's asking God to remember the word that He spoke to him, which He caused him to hope upon. Well, what is this? You know, this is just another way to say my experience does not seem to be corresponding to your word right now. It may be another way to say my eyes long for your comfort When will you give it? How do you apply that? Or how do we think about that? Well, turn to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. Familiar passage to us all. Isaiah 40, verse 31. We could all, most of us hear the Scripture song, you could sing it. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That's a precious promise in Scripture. Uh, It's a promise that uh, many of you 
know, you're familiar with, you think about. It's also a promise that whenever you're in the midst of affliction, in the middle of difficulties, when your heart is crushed, it might be one that you take a uh, Psalm 119.49 approach to. You know as well as I do. There are times that you want to run and you're barely crawling. There are times that you desire to be strengthened, but you're weary. There are times where you wonder if you're going to have the endurance to make it to the next day. Well, how do we reconcile that with a promise that says those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings as eagles. They're going to run and not be weary. They're going to walk and not faint. Well, obviously there's a waiting to be done from the text. But if you don't find yourself running and you don't find yourself with endless energy, that's not really an occasion for you to get discouraged and start questioning this, that, and the other. It's an occasion for you to commune with the Lord. Lord, this is what you've said. I'm not there yet, but I'm hoping in your word. Remember it. Confirm it is the way he would say it in another place. It just means make good on your word. I'm trusting in it. I'm hoping in it. So we're talking about communing with the Lord. Well, it takes, it takes some courage to pray a prayer like that, doesn't it? I mean, the Lord ought to be the one telling us to remember. And we're not doing that in the same way we would think about it, but we're saying, Lord, I'm hoping. I'm hoping, I'm looking. Confirm the Word. Remember the Word that you've caused me to hope on. Uh, second, this is a request that's given a lot in Psalm 119. Look in Psalm 119, verse Psalm 119, verse 169. He says, Let my cry come near before Thee. O Lord, give me understanding according to Thy Word. Let my cry come near before Thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to Thy Word. Why would he ask God for understanding? I mean, especially in the context of what he's saying here, let my cry come near before thee. Give me understanding. Why would he say that? Because he doesn't understand. That's simple enough, right? Well, we think about a situation like Lisa's death and a situation like many others that you've gone through. Maybe you've 
said it to someone else and just couldn't bring yourself to bring it this way to the Lord. I don't understand why God would fill in the blank. Is that irreverent? Well, it could be depending on how you're asking it. But to, to just come to the Lord and, 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 and lay before Him, I just, give me understanding. I don't understand. I don't understand why the Lord would allow Jason and Lisa to go through this struggle for almost a year and it appeared that she was doing well and then just declined so quickly? I don't understand that. Do you? Is it okay to admit that? Is it okay to say to, to let God know that? Now, you fill in the blank with whatever other scenario you want to talk about. I don't understand. And, and we could say, well, you know, the Lord has a purpose. Well, that's just another way of saying I don't understand. I, I don't understand why the Lord would leave three children without a mother. I don't understand that. I was talking to Sister Diane yesterday, and, and I did not remember this, but she told me that, um, or she told us, there were several people there, yesterday was 19 years to the day that Ellen Formsma passed away. Died of cancer. 19 years ago yesterday. The same day she lost her daughter. Well, you know, I don't understand why God would allow a mother who's already endured the loss of her husband to lose her daughter on the same day that she lost her daughter-in-law in such a painful way 19 years ago. I don't understand that. Well, you know, we can just commune with God based on that reality. Lord, I don't understand this. I don't even know what to say about it. My heart is heavy. My soul clings to the dust. I don't understand. That's not an insult. How about this? Look in Psalm 119.36. Now remember what we're talking about here. We're just talking about communing with the Lord. How do we interact with the Lord based on these struggles, based on the many difficulties we will endure in our pilgrimage? Psalm 119, verse 36. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Well, that's a weird one to bring up. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Well, you know, this is not saying, Lord, bless my heart to want to go in the way of Your Word and bless me not to be so greedy and worldly and materialistic about things. That's not, I mean, you could apply it that way, but that's not the extent of that application. You know what it means to be covetous? 
It means to want something more than what God has given you. That's what it means. It's synonymous with being discontent. We could say, Lord, incline my heart to your testimonies, not to discontentment. Well, we could say it this way. Lord, would you, would you open my eyes? Would you bless me to want and to be content with what you have given me? Well, that's a worthy prayer, isn't it? Bless me to want what you've given me. This is a pretty good companion to the previous point. There's a lot of things you're not going to understand. And at some point, we've got to be content with that. That may not be today. But the Lord has given us and blessed us with all that we need. He told us His grace is sufficient. And so one of the ways that we commune with God is not by being defensive, not by being demanding, but by just freely acknowledging, Lord, I am hung up on this right now. Would you incline my heart to your testimonies and not into covetousness? Would you bless me to be content with what you've given me and what I have? Whether that be information whether that be experience, whether that be time, whatever that may be, Lord, would you bless me not to be inclined, bless my heart not to be inclined, to be fixated on that which you have not given me. Well, you could chew on that for a while and come up with 100,000 applications. Verse I'm sorry, Psalm 119, verse 77. Here's another one. Again, it helps to give us courage to voice these struggles, to ask the Lord for help with these real struggles. Psalm 119, verse 77. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Let your tender mercies come to me that I might live. There's sometimes we just don't know what to say. Sometimes we don't really know how to enter into this communion with the Lord. And there, there are times where we're just we're here. Lord, we just acknowledge without your mercies, I'm not going to make it. I need your help. I need your help. I can't really think clearly. I don't want to be around people. Nothing seems to be helping. Lord, would you... Bless me with your tender mercies. If I don't have them, I'm not going to make it. Now, in any of these categories, you could make your way through and find more. But the Pilgrim Song, again, number one, it helps us to identify our heart struggles and put those into words. Number two, it gives us the courage to, to voice our struggles and to ask for help. And then number three, again, the Pilgrim Song is just the word. The Pilgrim Song helps us to find the answers we need, not necessarily the ones that we wanted. Okay, It helps us to find the answers that we need, 
not necessarily the ones that we wanted. Psalm 119, verse 92. Psalm 119, verse 92. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. Unless your law had been my delights, I would have perished in my affliction. We go through difficulties, we go through trials, we go through heartaches. And Psalm 119 verse 92 is really just a reminder of Matthew 4.4 where Jesus says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but upon every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What do you need more than anything in a time of affliction? You need God's Word. You need truth applied. You need to commune with the living God. And you need to find comfort in His presence. You say, oh, you just don't understand. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like that right now. I don't really know that I could comprehend a lot right now. This is not the time for me to, to really try to dig in. And, and I'm not saying what you need more than anything in your affliction is to uh, hit the books and do the word studies and do a deep dive into the original languages. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is what you need more than anything in your affliction is a word from God. You need to hold on to what you know. What you need more than anything in your time in affliction is, is a Psalm 23 kind of word. You know, the kind that is... Not taxing in the sense of when you get into it, you have to do all these deep studies to draw it out. But it's the kind where you could hang out in Psalm 23 for years and never exhaust it. It's easily accessible. And it's right there. That's what, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rooting yourself in clear, pertinent, scriptural truth. And again, this is not... Perhaps what we want to hear, but it's what we need to hear. We access those truths as we meditate on them, as we pray through them, as we, as we roll them around in our minds and in our hearts. So he says, had your law not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I'm not saying one verse for one problem. I'm saying the balm of God's Word for a tender, wounded heart. That's what I'm saying. Secondly, Psalm 119, verse 68. He says, Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. Well, it, it sounds a lot like Job 121. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In times of difficulty, in times of 
heartache, in times of loss, we need to be reminded of the goodness of the Lord. He's good. He does good. We may not understand everything that He does, and we can voice that to Him. But we can be assured that our merciful God always does that which is right and that which is good because His actions flow out of His character. Now again, we may say, I don't understand how in the world we could say and go through the details of what happened yesterday and say all that was good. You can commune with God based on that um, lack of understanding. You can take that before the Lord. But you know, the other side of that is why this is so important as far as the answers go is because if we lose sight of the fact that God is good and He does good, it doesn't take long before we become cynical and bitter toward God and the Word. And that doesn't always happen by someone standing up and saying, I've denounced the faith and I'm moving on. That happens as you hear the Word expounded or you read the Word, and rather than trying to get into it, you just cynically have a yeah, right mentality. Maybe you have the kind of laugh that Sarah had when she was told she was going to have a child. The Lord is good and He does good. That's not always the answer we want, but that's the answer we need. And then Psalm 119.75 Psalm 119.75 He says, I know, O Lord, that Thy judgments are right and that Thou in faithfulness hath afflicted me. I know that Your judgments are right and that You in faithfulness have afflicted me. Well, if we thought the previous one was difficult to swallow, this is, this is difficult, isn't it? Especially if you're in the middle of the affliction. Unless we ask the question, faithfulness to what? I mean, if God's faithful, what is He faithful to? What is His faithfulness bound to? What's the end goal of His faithfulness? Lord, in Your faithfulness to make me more useful in Your kingdom, to make me more Christ-like, in Your faithfulness to prepare me for glory, You have afflicted me. Lamentations chapter 3. This will be where we end. Lamentations chapter 3. Jeremiah spends the first half of the chapter going through the 
raw realities of the difficulties that he's endured. But then he brings himself back to hope this way. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21, This I recall to my mind, and therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him to the soul that seeks Him. So what, what is this business of God being faithful in His afflictions? Faithful to do what? Well, we just said one, that He was faithful to perform His work in us, but... You know, He's also faithful to provide you new morning mercies. His mercies are there every single day. He knows what you need for the day to live off of. It's like that manna from above. And you don't get tomorrow's or the next day's, but you do get today's. And God's faithful to make sure that that mercy shows up every day. He never misses a day. You know what else he's faithful to do? Verse 24, he says, The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. What does that mean? It means the Lord has given himself to me. Well, he's faithful in that giving. The, 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 the line of communion is wide open so that we can draw near to him and we can enjoy the comfort of his presence. We could, we could go on. Back to our original text, Psalm 119, verse 54. Thy, thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. See, this is just one helpful door that we can walk through, that we can meditate on, that, that we can... really lay hold of as we think through the riches of Psalm 119. And so it's a it's a pilgrim song. It's a song for I mean it's a word for every season. And so may the Lord bless us to be able to say along with the psalmist your word your statutes they've been my song and the house of my pilgrimage as well. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank You again for Your Word. We thank You that You have spoken. And um, Father, we thank You that You have spoken to communicate to us, to equip us, to teach us, but also to uh, You've used Your men of old to, to model for us what it looks like to commune with You. And so, Lord, I do pray that You would be with all those who mourn today all those in affliction. And Lord, I pray for all the afflictions that are in the days to come. Lord, as we endure those as Your people, I pray that we'll be able to say uh, that Your statutes have been our song. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.